Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today we're going to react to the Monday Night Massacre that happened last night at Levi Stadium as the San Francisco 49ers toppled the Los Angeles Rams 24-9. So let's jump right into it. And first off, I want to say, I was sick, that's why there was no podcast, but we are back and we're feeling much better, and it feels really good to be talking about a Niners victory once again. And to jump right into things, Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo are now 7-1 and in their last eight games against the Los Angeles Rams. Their only loss was the NFC Championship game. And that's where I kind of want to start this because all week long, as I couldn't do a podcast, I'm thinking, I just want to get my thoughts out there because there is a worry. While, yes, the Niners own the Rams, we know this, there is this worry in the back of my mind that maybe that NFC Championship game was the turning point in the rivalry. Maybe that was where the the, the script flips and now the Rams are going to dominate this thing, right? San Francisco this year, they were 1-2 and two coming into this game. The offense looked lackluster to say the least. They, they weren't putting up points. The defense was playing phenomenal, but it just felt like San Francisco's season was, despite being early in the year, at some part of a tipping point where it's like, if they go 1-3... and three, we're, we're, we're exactly where we, we were last year, and that's not a good place. Where you have to beat Carolina, you have to beat Atlanta, and instead of potentially being 4-2 and two going in to play Kansas City, you're 3-3 three and three playing Kansas City, or hope to be 3-3 three and three playing Kansas City, and you've lost to some really bad teams, and it just seems like your season is kind of, you know, just kind of floundering. Like, okay, who are we? We don't know. But thankfully, last night... San Francisco gets back on track, gets the win 24-9, to and look, it wasn't as if this game was going to be easy, we know it's the Rams, they're a good team, Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay, they have a good defense, Aaron Donald's still over there, it's not like this team is a bunch of scrubs, despite San Francisco owning them in the past seven of eight games. But that first drive, I'm sure, maybe like yourself, it had me worried too, because it was, let's feed Cooper Cup. Let it, let's just let him rock and ride and carry the Rams to a victory. And it felt like that the Rams were going to move the ball at will against the Niners defense, which we had not seen all season. So that first drive was kind of a shock, right? Stafford was 7 for 7, 52 yards. Cup had three catches for 27 yards. So it seemed like it was all on third downs, but... 
then San Francisco got that sack, but it just felt like despite there being pressure on Stafford, despite Ebukam getting a sack, despite what seemed like San Francisco holding the Rams to a field goal and it just being three to nothing, it was an eight minute drive. They went down, they put some points on this defense early. And the question then becomes, how is San Francisco going to respond, right? How are you going to say, okay, this team that just beat us eight months ago in the biggest game of our year that we had a lead against now has the lead against us now, or again, how are we going to respond? Is our offense finally going to find itself? Now, if you're me, you're sitting there saying, well, it's not like we haven't been here before, and that was the larger part of the conversation going into the game against the Rams, right? It's, look, San Francisco in 2020, Jimmy G has the messed up ankle, they somehow get back on track, and it's just, Jimmy, take a one-step drop and get it to Debo, and Ayuk and Kittle, let them meet. In 2021, same thing, right? We're 3-5, and five, got to bounce back, going into Week 10. Like, this is the prove-it game for us. What does the offense do? destroys the Rams 31-10 to at home. Jimmy Ward's two picks. G- you know, Jimmy Grapple had a good game. Like, it just feels like the Niners are... Their, their get-right game the last three seasons has been against the Rams. And you're down 3 nothing. The question is, is this still going to be the get-right game? And lo and behold, it was. Because, I mean, Jimmy G... Look, think what you wanted Jimmy Garoppolo. Think you can he, he was not good against Denver. We know this. He knows this. A lot of criticism against him after that game. He's smiling after the game. Like fans are not happy with him. And I don't think they should have been. Like th- there was a reason to be mad. Now, we also know that Jimmy can be really good sometimes. And while he wasn't a world beater, we know who he is, right? He's not Mahomes, not Allen. We know he's not that guy. But it just feels like you know what Jimmy Garoppolo you are going to get early. And I think, and it's kind of where I want to dissect his play a little more today. Because look, was the was the stat line amazing? No. Six or se- 16 for 27, 239 yards and one touchdown. That is a Jimmy Garoppolo game by all means. But that first drive was a good indication of what Garoppolo we were going to get. And that stat line could have been a lot better had Jawan Jennings not dropped two passes. The drives continue. If Kittle gets his foot inbounds, on an, like Jimmy Garoppolo's best throw of the game did not even count because Kittle couldn't get two feet in. Now, it's a timing play, maybe if the ball's there earlier, whatever. But that was Garoppolo's best throw and it didn't count. Like Garoppolo's stat line could have easily read 270 yards and two touchdowns. And that makes you feel a lot better about him as a quarterback, right? But on this first drive, it was first pass to Ayuk for like 30 yards, first down. Then it was first down to Jennings. Then Debo. Then Jennings again for a first down. Like, Jimmy was throwing, Jimmy had three good first down passes in that first drive. Then, of course, Jeff Wilson caps it off with a 32-yard touchdown. Like, it wasn't as if, like... Jimmy looked sharp early, and it makes me think that Jimmy is someone that, despite his amazingly good looks, his chiseled jawline, it just feels like he is someone that maybe needs to establish confidence on a game-by-game basis. Now, 
that's not to say that he's not confident in himself, but sometimes you need to reaffirm that. Like, okay, like, maybe San Francisco should let, quote-unquote, Jimmy Cook or Jimmy Sling it early in a game to get his confidence. Because my mind goes back to the, the, the Vikings game last year, where despite Elijah Mitchell having an amazing game and carrying the offense, you watch that first couple drives, Jimmy Sling it, threading the needle, he's making some mistakes, no doubt, and he's going to make those no matter when he plays, but the fact is, is that maybe Jimmy is someone that if you can establish or reaffirm that confidence early, let him sling it early, and if he makes a mistake, guess what? You have the best defense in the league, and it's early in the game, so if he does hurt you, it's not going to kill you, right? And it just felt like in early in this game, whether it was Shanahan or Garoppolo himself, it just felt like that there was a point to get Jimmy going early. Now, part of that's the game plan. The Rams, for whatever reason, don't play up in the box, don't play press against Garoppolo in the regular season. They only do it in the playoffs. <laughs> so I have no idea why that's the case. But again, it felt like first down to Ayuk, big play. Jimmy's like, we got this, we got this, we got this. First down to Jennings, even more. You know, keep reaffirming the confidence. Then first down to Jennings again. It felt like, it was like Jimmy felt, okay, like look, like we have confidence in this team. I have confidence in my arm. My shoulder is fine. There's no problem here. And then touchdown run by Wilson. And by the way, Spencer Burford, I know they got pulled out during the game and was weird and they were kind of rotating him and Brunskill. Uh, Burford's block on that run, he took out like three guys. It was incredible what Burford did uh, on that drive. So kudos to him. I know he got pulled out you know, in the middle of the game for whatever reason. I have no idea why. There was some miscommunication between him and the center. It just felt like they were kind of mixing in Brunskill to get him ready for whatever reason on, on his first day back. But great job for Burford on this run. He was the pivotal block to free up that space for Wilson. But I digress back to Garoppolo. If you need... If you have a quarterback that it looks like wants to quote-unquote cook early or needs to reaffirm that confidence in himself where he had a bad game last week against the Broncos, he needs to kind of find who he is, get back in the rhythm, I'm okay with them opening up the offense and letting Jimmy carry the drive. Like, why not? It's the first drive of the game. You're only down 3 nothing, Or... Maybe in the next game's case, it's, it is the first drive of the game, where it's tied up 0-0. There's nothing wrong with allowing Jimmy to carry that drive by himself, or, you know, pass it 4 out of 7 times, or 4 out of 6 times. Let him get confidence in himself. Like, my mind can think of every Jimmy Garoppolo start, and can say, I knew what kind of Garoppolo we are going to get early in the game. Whether it's... A bad Jimmy, a good Jimmy, an inconsistent Jimmy. But you can tell early in this game, he had confidence, he was sharp, the ball placement was good. Were there some bad throws? Yes, there were. But that's Jimmy. That's every quarterback. And so, if it means that Jimmy has to cook early to get his confidence, three affirm that in himself, by all means, do it early. Take the risk of him getting the confidence. Take the risk of him potentially hurting your team. If it's a pick six, if it's interception, guess what? Trust your defense. It's early. It's early enough where you can battle back. Because, look, late in the game, 
you might need that third down conversion. You might need that red zone touchdown from him on third down. And if you let him cook early, establish the confidence, maybe he can make that throw. Maybe he feels confident that he can do that. Maybe it the risk may be worth, or excuse me, the reward might just be worth the risk if it means letting Jimmy cook early and it costing you early. Because in this game, it was clear that they were giving him freedom to, not to say sling it, but it was Jimmy, you are going to essentially throw the football. You are going to carry the offensive load early in this game. Now again, he didn't get the touchdown, but it was eight plays, four minutes, and it looks like four passing plays. Like, and one of those was a sack, so one of the eight plays doesn't really even count. It was really seven plays with four passes and three runs, and I guarantee you had Wilson not got a 32-yard touchdown run, they were going to pass it more. Like, that's just the way it goes. And it just feels like if you let Jimmy Cook early, that confidence he establishes may pay off later, and to me it did. Like, throughout this entire game, it felt like Jimmy knew where the ball was going, there were pockets to throw, were guys wide open? Yeah, they were. But some guys weren't. That throw to Debo, and we'll get to it later, but hitting on it now, people want to complain that that throw was too high to Debo Samuel on the big 52-yard touchdown run, 57-yard touchdown run, whatever it was, yardage-wise. It's like, no, no. Go back and watch that play. That ball is perfect placement. The DB's cutting in. If it's lower or to Debo's chest, it's a pick. And it's a pick six. And I get we want to complain about Jimmy misses too high too much, the medicine ball stuff. I get that conversation. But in this case, that ball was put where only Debo Samuel can catch that ball. Because Jimmy knew, if I can just get it to him, something magical can happen. So what did Jimmy do? Gets it to where only his receiver can get the ball, and look what happened. 57 yards, touchdown, Jalen Ramsey on his butt, making a business decision, not wanting to tackle Debo. McGlinchey's talking crap to Ramsey, getting in his face. Like, it's that stuff that continues that confidence that may have been established early in the game because you let Jimmy Cook. Now, again, I'm using Cook as a knock on Russell Wilson, but you get my point here. Is that sometimes, if you can... It's like in... I played baseball for like 15 years, so my mind goes to baseball. When you're a pitcher, you can get confidence by your offense scoring runs for you early. It allows you to settle in. Or, let me get that first strikeout. Let me let me get that first breaking ball over the plate to cut how I want it to. And it feels like Jimmy's the same way. That... To a certain degree, he needs to settle in. He needs to find that confidence early because that can carry him throughout the entirety of the game. That if he can find that cutter, find that breaking ball over the plate and snap it in and get the guy with the strikeout, he goes, okay, my chest gets bigger, I feel more confident, and now in the seventh inning, I know my breaking stuff will get guys out still. And that feels like that's who Jimmy Garoppolo is. That feels like that's who he might be. And if that's the case, let him cook for as long as he wants in that first drive. If it hurts you, whatever. But the reward might be worth that risk. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But moving on to the second drive of the game, you're up 7-3. to three. You're feeling pretty good. You establish, like, you make a statement, right? That was the one knock I had on Shanahan against the Seahawks, where you march the ball all the way down the field, and you don't make a statement. The point is, is that and this game is different than the Seahawks game, but there is, and they share the same sentiment. You lost in Week 1. You're playing at home, week two. I, as a team, in front of your home crowd, go out there, make a statement. And uh, forgive my vulgarity here, but last night I was working at the station, and I was like, I want you to ram your fist down their throat. Foot on the pedal, on the throttle, on their neck. Show them you are not going to come into Levi Stadium, our home, and put up big money against us. It's not going to happen. It's our home. We're going to come in here. Dominate in front of our home crowd. Now they won that Seattle game. But early in that game I said make a statement. It's about putting the opposition against the wall. Saying if if you want to win. You're going to have to be full, full go. Full send. And for San Francisco in this game. Albeit they weren't on their own goal line. Fourth down. That first drive was a statement drive of, look, you are the same old, I guess, so sorry, the same old sorry-ass Rams, right? That's what they call them. That's what it was. You are the same Rams that we just happened to lose to eight months ago. Nothing has changed. You are worse then. Your offensive line's banged up. Donald ain't nothing. Ramsey stinks. It was a statement drive of, if you're going to beat us, Los Angeles, you're going to have to bring your A game. You are still... Little brother, you are still the mini-me. Your championship ring means nothing to us. Do we want that? Yeah. They probably should have one already. That being said, it means nothing in 2022. Your championship last year means absolutely nothing to us. We spit on your ring when you come to Levi Stadium. That's the statement drive that I wanted to see, and, and they did that. Because guess what? When you do that, the defense gains confidence, the literally the next drive, three and out, minus one yard, incomplete, Bosa's sack. One of four for Nick Bosa in this game. Just crazy. And Stafford, who is going to over-liable, what happens? Armstead takes out three guys, Bosa gets the sack, easy money. Well, then the offense gets the ball. But they put together a long drive, right? You know, it was like seven plays. Time off the clock, no big deal. The Rams again. Ryans brings some blitzes on defense. They got a punt. Niners third drive, they got a punt too, but whatever. Jimmy misses a throw to Warner. But and, and this is where I want to get into George Kittle because <clears throat> look, George Kittle, knowing Trent Williams was out, we knew they were primarily going to use George Kittle as a blocker. They did it last year. In the Super Bowl, whenever this team has or takes a hit on the offensive line, they tend to tell Kittle, 
you are going to be our extra block. You're going to be our, our extra tackle, essentially, right? They call it heavy formation. They're going to have two tight ends. Two, two, you know, you're going to make sure the quarterback is protected at all costs. And while I understand the usage, this is what I don't like: is that on a play like this, where Warner obviously was not the first read, but when you have one of the best receiving tight ends in the NFL, you are choosing to open the door to Charlie Warner getting more targets than George Kittle. Now, at the end of the day, that's not what happened. George Kittle, he had four targets, and Warner only had one. But the point still stands of, if he hits Charlie Warner, or if that's George Kittle, maybe he doesn't juggle that ball. Maybe it is a first down. Maybe... That drive is still going, and they score another touchdown. It's the small stuff like that where, is it the end of the world? No. But me and you both saw what George Kittle did against the Bengals last year. We saw him score touchdowns against the Rams multiple times last year. Going up and getting the ball multiple times. The, the catch against the Bengals was insane. Like, that saved the game for San Francisco on a very similar play. But because you can't trust your right tackle your right guard, your left tackle, and I get it, right? Trent Williams is not playing, but Kivitz gets hurt. I get it. But if that is George Kittle, maybe it's a catch. Maybe it's a first down and stuff like that early to make a further statement, to put your put your opposition further behind the eight ball, to really ram it home, right? Step on their throat while you can. Because then guess what? The next drive... Rams go down, kick a field goal. Now, let me ask you this. If it's 7-6 to six or 14-6, to six, how do you feel? Now, look, I get it. Missed opportunities happen in every game, every opponent. Like, it's the NFL. There's going to be 17 missed opportunities in every game. That's how it goes, right? We've seen it firsthand. Bears game, Seattle game, Broncos game. It happens. It's football. But... It just feels like, and again, I get it. What am I complaining about? They won 24-9. What's the big deal? I get it. But it's stuff like that that costs you. And when Trent Williams is back, maybe George Kittle is used as a receiver again, but that's not even a promise. Like, George Kittle is used as a decoy, as a, as a blocker on a screen pass, which is fine. But the issue is, is that you are limiting, and this is not a this year issue. It's what we issued last year, and in 2020, and in 2019. We all know, biggest play of the year, Super Bowl against the Chiefs, where is George Kittle? He's in the backfield blocking. Now, there's viable reasons as to why that's happening, but it's just frustrating to see that Charlie Warner was brought in to be the blocking tight end. He was bought it, he was brought in to relieve or replace Levine Toilolo as the blocking tight end in 2019. And yet George Kittle, who is an amazing blocker, is still being used as the blocking tight end. When in reality, you need to find someone so that he can be used as the weapon that he is. And it's it's a nitpick in a game like this, I understand that. But it's stuff like this where when it matters against the Chiefs 
and against the Bucks, that teams that have good cover linebackers or teams that can beat you, and you're going to need to have the offensive explosiveness. Well, I'm sorry, Kyle Shanahan. Charlie Warner doesn't give you that. You know who does? George Kittle. Like, George Kittle should be getting 78 targets a game. Debo Samuel should be getting the same amount. Like, it's not... And I know it's easier to get the ball to a receiver than a tight end because of what San Francisco does. Screen passes, out routes, dump-offs, you know, all that stuff. But it just seems like Kittle is an afterthought sometimes. And it's not like he should be. <laughs> like, George Kittle, when it comes to... Who's the best player on San Francisco's offense? Your mind goes to Debo Samuel and George Kittle. Now, many can say Trent Williams. I get that, but he's in the same spot every play. It's not like he's the one out there making plays happen despite how great he is. He's not catching the ball. He's not creating yak. Like, there's a reason they're called the yak bros. It's not, hey, you're my yak bro. No, you're my yak bros. There's a plurality in that. So why... Why are they not using him in that aspect or in, in that area? Because so it's seven to six. Look, then what does San Francisco do? They go down there. Jimmy has a nice scramble. You're like, oh, okay. We got we got the mobile Jimmy tonight. He's feeling pretty good. Then boom, Debo Samuel touchdown. Perfect placement on the ball, right where it needed to be. Debo Samuel breaks two tackles. Taylor Rapp looks like a fool. Jalen Ramsey's like, look. I don't want to get destroyed again. 57-yard touchdown run. They're feeling great. The next drive with the Rams, San Francisco gets their fourth sack. Third and fourth sacks. Menehue gets one. Bosa and Lenore combined for one. And I have some stats I want to read off to you before we get into the defense and everything else. Because if I would have told you that in this game alone, the Rams would have more first downs, 21 compared to San Francisco's 13. And the Rams had a higher time of possession. 34 minutes and 34 seconds to 25 minutes and 26 seconds. What would you think? That, oh, the Rams won this game. Not even close. San Francisco almost outgained them by 100 yards. The Rams turned the ball over twice. And it just felt like, despite maybe... And I was talking about this last night with a friend. It felt like the Rams were playing the Shanahan style of game. It felt like that McVeigh and Stafford were playing, you know, these long drives, you know, taking eight minutes off the clock. It felt like that they were trying to do what San Francisco had done to them last year at Levi Stadium. But <laughs> San Francisco was hitting on home run plays left and right. San Francisco had five plays of 20-plus yards. The Rams had zero. In fact, the Rams could not move the ball vertically at all. San Francisco, with Mooney Ward and Mosley playing phenomenal coverage, great football, with the defensive line and linebackers getting an insane amount of pressure all freaking night, it was, it limited everything Stafford likes to do. Like, Allen Robinson was a non-factor. He was their big free agent 
signing, right? Like, they got rid of Robert Woods because they were like, we got Allen Robinson. He was a non-factor. Wherever he was, he was shut down. Mooney Ward, Mosley, he was a non-factor. And even Cooper Cup, who had a quote-unquote good game, like he had, what do he have last night? And Cup was good, don't get me wrong. But like, Cup had 14 receptions for 122 yards. Guess what? They were non-impactful yards. Almost non-impactful receptions. On the Rams, three drives that they scored on. 14 plays, 8 minutes, and 12 seconds, a field goal. Next drive, 10 plays, 5 minutes, a field goal. The last time they scored points, 16 plays, 7 minutes and 43 seconds, a field goal. Their drives were over, all three of their scoring drives, over 10 plays. And the shortest drive was 5 minutes. It was a grueling effort for them to move the football. It felt like it was third down over and over and over again. And Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford did not complete a pass for 20 plus yards. In fact, only two of his passes were for 20 plus yards and both were incomplete. San Francisco said, if you are going to beat us, we are going to keep every play in front of us. You are not going to get behind us. There was very few yak plays. I think Skoranek had the biggest yak play of the day, and it wasn't even, it didn't even matter. It wasn't that big of a deal. It was like, okay, whatever, you got three points, big deal. But my point is, is that it felt like the roles were flipped, right? Rams are usually a home run hitting team, deep ball throwing quarterback, explosive running backs, receivers, Robinson, and Cup can get it from anywhere. Higby's a good tight end. It felt like the Niners were the Rams, and the Rams were the Niners in this game, but just because it, it just felt like there was never any worry there was never any concern of oh because the rams had the ball longer than us or because they have more first downs than us that it, there was just this confidence that was like san francisco has this as soon as san francisco scored that first touchdown it was like take game over and well that's not technically true it like it felt that way he, even Garoppolo in the postgame presser said, look, when you're playing with a defense like ours and an offense that can score big touchdowns like Debo's from any place on the field, that gives you confidence as a quarterback. And it was clear. This team, like the Niners came into this game knowing they were going to win or, or had a good chance to win. It was funny because I don't know if you follow the Niners on Instagram. Uh, Dre Greenlaw was they had like they had the guys walking up to the the stadium or walking up you know to the locker room uh, in their street clothes for game day, and other guys didn't say much. But Dre Greenlaw, you hear him go, "It's the Rams," and he quietly mutters like, "You know what that means?" Like they knew like this is our bounce back game. This is how we bounce back, and it's funny because you can feel that, and they proved it offensively but my goodness how good was this defense seven total sacks two turnovers again rams had no vertical options oh they have four uh, uh, nick bosa had 14 pressures last night it was insane what this defense was able to do insane in four games this year this defense has allowed 30 
37 points. 37. And it's not like this team couldn't have had two more turnovers. Tayshawn Gibson dropped the pick. Fred Warner dropped the pick. Greenlaw dropped the pick, but it actually happened to be a fumble at the same time. So it's like, this team could have had three or four turnovers. And in the postgame presser, Shanahan and Nick Bosa were like, we know Stafford's going to give us a chance to get interceptions. Now, I don't want to take a shot here, but I can tell you now, it feels pretty good knowing a Niner strong safety can actually catch picks against the Rams. It just feels nice, right? You know, it feels pretty good. Now, Tart, I love you. We're having fun, but like, it feels nice knowing who Funga is going to secure an interception. And you have to add in the fact that if they're allowing 37 points in four games, and they are allowing 11.5 points a game. They are the number one team in regards to points per game. The best defensive EPA at 35.58. The best yards per rush. The, the best yards per play. The best yards per game. And they had a sack per dropback of 10%. On 10% of opposing quarterback dropbacks, it ends in a sack for San Francisco. Drake Greenlaw had freaking 15, 15 tackles last night. Tying Navarro Bowman and Michael Wilhoyt, who had 16 uh, in week five. Like, that's crazy. That's tied for the most since Bowman. One of the best linebackers in Niner history. And Greenlaw, who just got an extension after week two, he's showing that. He's coming out saying, I got my bag, here's my best play. And... Look, was Warner great last night? No, he wasn't great per PFF, but he was good too. And when you don't have Al Shire out there for what seems like the next four, maybe eight weeks with the, with the MCL sprain, you need guys like Greenlaw to step up and Warner to step up, and they they were doing that. Last night, San Francisco, I know there was a lot of worry of, you know, look, if they're one and three, this is an issue. Somebody has to make a statement, right? And offensively, they did it early. And the offense had a chance to do it later in the game. They're at the goal line. Jimmy makes an amazing throw to George Kittle in the you know back of the end zone. He can't get two feet in. They go for the field goal, okay? Now, I'm sure like many of you, uh, my mind was thinking... My mind goes to the Alec Jones meme of, you're coward. Like, that's what it was like. Just go for it, man. Step on their throat. But I get it. Go for the field goal. Extend your lead. Make them happen. Now score two touchdowns and an extra point and go for a two-point conversion. I get that stuff. But of all the worry of, like, they have to make a statement. Oh, my God, the game is, like, in the balance still. When a game like that happens, what do you need? You need the defense to step up. And Nick Bosa even said at halftime, it was like, we have to make a point. We have to make a statement. We have to make a huge play. And lo and behold, they do that. Stafford gives them one of those balls they knew they can get. Throws a pick on a play eerily similar to last year against the Rams. Where Warner got the pick. It seemed like it was, I think it was Fred Warner in 2019. And it happened again in 20, uh, 2021. And happening again this year. It's a play that both teams run. Hufunga had probably seen it in practice a billion times. Probably saw it last year a handful of times against the Rams when they played. And he instinctly saw it and said, I know exactly where this ball is going to go. If I can get past a, a receiver, 
I'm going to pick this ball off. Jumps the play, pick six, bobbles in, you're like, no, not again, don't drop the ball, please, we need this. Pick six, to the house, and what does it do? It secures a win. When the offense made a statement early, could have had one later, the defense picked him up. That's complete football. And that's exactly what San Francisco played. Now you're playing Carolina. Then you're playing the Falcons. Like, this team could easily be 4-2 playing the Chiefs. And now the Niners are in first place in the NFC West for all the, oh my god, the Niners are so bad. We lost to the Broncos and the Bears. Two games they should have won. If you would have told me after four games in this season with their schedule, Bears, Seahawks, Broncos, Rams, they were 2-2. Two and two. Now, your mind might say, well, they probably lost to the Broncos and the Rams. But, look, they beat the Seahawks and the Rams, they lost to the Bears and the Broncos. Is that exactly how you thought it was going to go? No. But they made it out 500. The first quote-unquote quarter, although it's not a quarter because they're 18 games now. It's, they're 500. And they have, not to say cupcake games, because the Falcons are looking a little better than they were last year. But it's like, they're playing two teams they should beat. Now you have the confidence, on a shorter week, to go to Carolina. And against a quarterback and a team that look awful. Awful. The Cardinals were going to give that game to the Panthers. And Baker Mayfield's like, I don't know how to play quarterback. And you got Nick Bosa who was like, I hate them Oklahoma boys. And he's going to want to plant that flag in the middle of Carolina's field. Like the confidence is at all time high. You can just tell in the postgame pressers that they were like, hey, like, we're back. <laughs> like, we play in our football. And look... Not to toot Jimmy Garoppolo's horn because he wasn't perfect, but he I, I think Jimmy was really good last night. He made some dumb throws. There was the, the drive before uh, halftime where it just felt like it was like, what are we doing offensively? Took a deep shot, didn't do much with it, almost threw a pick uh, on the slant route, trying to get it to Debo. Just like, okay, like, Jimmy, don't, don't blow this now. Like, there's a reason we don't trust you to do stuff like this. But look, against, against a single opponent... Jimmy Garoppolo has the third best record. Tom Brady's 9-0 against Atlanta. Mahomes is 9-0 against Denver. Jimmy G is 7-0 against the Rams in the regular season. Tom Brady's 7-0 against Dallas in the regular season. The Niners just own the Rams. There's something about it that just it brings the best out of them. It's like it's almost like they come in knowing they're going to win. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you have guys like Debo who knows the Rams can't hang with him. You have guys like Jimmy who knows that the Rams are going to give him pockets to throw, and he can actually make those throws. And you have a defensive coordinator like Demeco Ryans, who, I mean, good God. Seven sacks. Nick Bosa had 14 pressures himself. There was, it felt like Matthew Stafford was on his hands and knees every single play. Whether it was a QB hit or pressure in his face, it just felt like, it just felt like the Niners' defense was completely in control of this game. Like, their defense is allowing 3.81 yards per play. That's the lowest since 1977. Oh, 
and they might get Jimmy Ward back, and they might get Jason Verrett back. It's like like this Niners team is, or at least defense, is getting healthier. Healthier. That's crazy. That's crazy. And Nick Bosa has, who leads the NFL with 30 quarterback pressures, has the most sacks in the NFL with six, has 16 quarterback hits, and a pressure rate of 22.9%. All of those stats blow away everybody else in the league. Nick Bosa needs to be getting national attention. Now, Debecca Ryan, Shanahan Lynch, they put this personnel together, but Nick Bosa is outperforming everybody else in the in the NFL by far. By far. He should have got comeback player of the year last year. It gave it to Joe Burrow and Dak Prescott. Nick Bosa was better than them because they play quarterback. Well, if you're not going to give one of the best, if not the best defensive lineman, the comeback player of the year award, you best be trying to give him the defensive player of the year award. Because through four games, it's not even close. But Micah Parsons, Micah Parsons is eight pressures behind Nick Bosa. That's basically two games. Two games. Nick Bosa is far, far and away a better player. And we saw Drake Jackson get involved. We saw Ebukam get involved. And many who had a sack last night. Hassan Ridgeway, who's a freaking run defender, got a sack last night. I mean, my God, the entire defense had 36 pressures. 36 pressures. They blitzed 14 times. To, to give you a better idea, Matthew Stafford threw the ball 48 times. 48 times. In fact, San Francisco pressured Matthew Stafford 36 times. He had 32 completions. They, they, they got a pressure on Matthew Stafford more times than he completed the pass. That's how good this defense was last night. I mean, the, it's very hard to to kind of put into words how good they were. It just felt like throughout the entirety of the game that Stafford was either on, on the ground or he was having to run for his life or was throwing the ball away because... He had no time to throw. And I get they had a banged up offensive line, but it's not like Niners defense wasn't annihilating guys. It wasn't like they were just bowing down and going, oh, go ahead and walk on through. No, no. Like, I put on Twitter, and it's, look, this is, this is no knock on Kyle Shanahan. No knock. Because Shanahan is a great head coach. He's a good offensive mind. Sometimes a genius. Sometimes it gets in his own way. But Demeco Ryans might be this team's best coach. Chris Kosarek deserves an option. Shanahan, I get it. This team has good coaching everywhere. And so it's not a knock on those guys. But Demeco Ryans is a better defensive coordinator than Robert Sala. I know it hurts to say that because we all love Sala, right? Ryans is better. Better personnel, maybe, I get that. But it's like he's finding guys like Womack and Lenore and bringing in Mooney Ward and getting the best out of Ridgeway and Ebucom, and Bosa's having career seasons. Warner and Greenlaw look amazing. And they're only going to get Al Shire back in four to five weeks, maybe even a little longer. Jimmy Ward might come back next week. Like, this team is getting better at the right time. And it's insane to say they're the best defense and they're not even fully healthy yet. 
Like, our starting nickelback got changed after two weeks, and he wasn't even playing bad. And Lenore last night was good. Like, the Niners come into games against the Rams, and their motto is, we will let Cooper Cup eat. But nobody else will hurt us. Nobody else. And last night was the same thing. Same thing. Cooper Cup last year against the Niners, Week 10, Levi Stadium. Niners won 31-10. to Cooper Cup, 11 receptions, 122 yards. The rest of the Rams, 16 receptions, 123 yards. 123. That's not good. Let Cup eat. Nobody else can beat us. Last night, Niners win 24-9. Cooper Cup, 14 receptions. 122 yards. Very, very similar stat line to what it was in Week 10. The rest of the Rams, 18 receptions, 132 yards. Let Cooper Cup eat. Allen Robinson will not touch the ball. Will not. Robinson, last night, had two receptions for seven yards. Tyler Higby had 10 receptions, 73 yards. That's really, like, the Niners, the Niners team was just insane. Like, there's really, and when I say Demeco Ryans is their best coach, it's not a knock on anybody else, but that's just the case. Like, he, he's been insanely good. Insanely good for this team. And it's gonna suck to see him lead, because he deserves a head coaching job. He really does. There's no doubt about it. And it's... Uh, it's just hard to kind of like wrap my mind around how good the defense was last night. 36 pressures. My God. <laughs> and yes, Nick Bosa had 14. But even then, 14? <laughs> like, come on. Seven sacks on 36 pressures? It's just... Uh, my mind is boggled as how good it was. And we all saw it. We all witnessed it. It was crazy. And it just felt like a return to form in a big way for San Francisco, who, look, they're 0-2 on the road. They're 2-0 at home. I have no idea if that matters. Week 1, kind of a wash, literally. Monsoon game. You wash it away. Week 2, the win gets overshadowed because Trey Lance gets hurt. Week 3, prime time against Russ you kind of just vomit all over yourself. This was the first win of the year. Despite them dominating Seattle, the first win of the season that we all can kind of feel good about, right? There's none of the Trey Lance, Jimmy G conversation, no injuries to talk about. There's no excuses. The Niners came out, played their way, and won this game. And to, to hammer the home, to hammer home the point even further of... San Francisco playing in their element to getting back to how they play football. The stat I have of Jimmy Garoppolo will blow your mind. And maybe it won't because you're like, oh yeah, it's a given. But, again, hammering home the point of the Niners got back to how they have played football the past five years with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo last night had 239 passing yards, okay? 193 of those. So 81% of that came after the catch. The Niners are back. <laughs> like That's what they do well. 
it's getting and what was what was the biggest conversation we had last week or I guess a week and a half ago now against the Broncos it was you have to get the ball to your stars how do you win the Rams get the ball to Cooper Cup the Niners need to get the ball to Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Ayuk what did they do they let they got the ball to those guys and let them eat let them eat I mean, it, it wasn't even close. It, it genuinely felt like the Niners last night said, hey, everything we did against the Broncos, scrap it. We're not doing it anymore. Like, just in the first half alone, Debo Samuel had five touches for 91 yards and a touchdown. 26.3 yards per catch. The offense last night technically ran through Jimmy Garoppolo. And without Elijah Mitchell, and Jeff Wilson Jr. was good too, right? He wasn't amazing, but he had a big run, started things up early. He was efficient on the ground. He's been their RB1 of Tevin Coleman might play. Marlon Mack hasn't played. Jordan Mason's been an afterthought. It just feels like this team, it felt like for the first time all year, the stars shined. And it was in the bright lights at home in prime time. Need to win, back against the wall, can't be 1-3, what happened? This team did what it's always done. Shine bright in a big moment when they had to. Against a team who they dominate. They are now 7-0 in the regular season with Jimmy Garoppolo playing quarterback. And that doesn't even count Nick Mullins beating them in 2020. Like, and I was telling a friend last night, I go, the Niners have I feel like they have dominated the Rams since, like, 2016. Like, I remember Monday Night Football opening the season in those ugly black rush jerseys where Blaine Gabbert beats the Rams 24 to nothing. I remember Colin Kaepernick in 2016 beating the Rams in the season finale at, their, at the Coliseum in L.A. Like, the only two wins of the year were against the Rams. And then Brian Hoyer comes in and almost beats the Rams in a shootout in 2017. It just feels like ever since 2016, outside of one game in the regular season, with Brian Hoyer playing quarterback in an awful, awful team that was stripped of the roster because it was so bad from Tom Sula and Kelly and Shanahan and Sala trying to build something up. That was the only real loss where I was like, yeah, like this team could be what is that 10 and 0, 12 and 0 against this team in since 2016 outside of one game in the in the playoffs. Now that game matters a lot more than the regular season, but it just feels like the Niners have dominated the Rams in recent history. It feels like it's been heavy San Francisco and last night it felt like a tradition. It felt like that oh the Rams are in town or oh, playing the Rams at Levi South. Well, there's Chaka W up there. And you hate doing that, but it's the Rams don't give you any reason to push back. They come out timid, tail between their legs. Like for the Rams, the Rams winning in the playoffs last year felt like it was in a like it was like a what just happened? This isn't supposed to happen. And it was their year. They got a championship, Super Bowl was in LA at their home. It just felt like it was all coming together for them for whatever reason. You can put your tinfoil hat on. I might too. It sometimes in talking about that, but it's like it just felt like that that needed to happen for them. Whatever. But just because you got the mulligan 
does it mean you dominate us still? And last night was a return to form. If I'm a Niner fan, I'm feeling pretty good. We're the first. We're in first place in the NFC West. We're two and zero in the division, and you best believe we can beat Seattle again, and we can beat the Rams again. And if you're telling me that at worst we can be four and two in the division, well, that's a win. Robert Sala said this past week: the easiest way to go to the playoffs is win your division. Right now, San Francisco is winning their division. Two and zero against the NFC West. And 2-2 two and two on the year, playing two bad teams coming up. We can be 4-2 and two in the next two weeks. I don't want to get ahead of myself, because it's the NFL. Anything can happen. We saw it week one and week three. But, Niner fans should be extremely excited. Pumped up, happy, ready to go. This team is seemingly back. Nick Bosa playing career football. The defense is the best it's ever been. This is the best unit we've ever had. And the offense, which was the the worst part of the team in the first three weeks of the season, has seemingly found itself. Now let's continue that over into week five and week six, and let's knock off Baker Mayfield. Let's knock off Marcus Mariota. And let's also work on getting Kittle involved in the offense. Getting healthy again. Jimmy Ward and Verrett, getting them back into the fray. I mean, look, talk about getting ahead of yourself. We have Mahomes in three weeks. That offense took it to the Bucks defense, who was a top-tier unit in this league. Well, guess what? You know who the Bucks don't have? Mooney Ward, Mosley. They don't have Jimmy Ward, a potentially healthy Jason Verrett, and Lenore and Womack, who have been really good at, at nickel cornerback with Nick Bosa. And a healthy Kinlaw who didn't play last night. And Armstead. And Nebuchadnezzar. And Jackson. And Ridgeway. Bucks are an amazing defense. This Niners personnel is better than them. With potentially better secondary once healthy. And guys playing career best football. No other team in this league can say that. And if you can match the offense with that. Getting Debo and Kittle and Ayuk involved. Getting Trent Williams back healthy. This team can do something this year. And I'm not just saying, you know, playoffs. I'm talking about the big one. They're this good. The NFC is not that good. This team, the team that played last night can beat the Eagles, who's 4-0. This team last night can at least put up a fight against the Bills and the Ravens and the Buccaneers. And that is exciting stuff to hear. That's what you and I both want to hear every single week. And that starts against Carolina. He began last night. It carried over into Carolina, into Atlanta, and you you give me Mahomes at Levi's and let's rock his house. Let's 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 show him that their 2019 ring means nothing to us. Spit on that ring too. Spit on that ring too. Because last night was a Monday night massacre. Let's carry that over. Let let's go on a killing spree. I'm ready. Are you? Because I'm ready to go. We're back, baby. Two and two. It's not an amazing record. But there's 15 teams that are also 2-2. Two and two. Plenty of football left. Plenty of games to attend. So use that promo code 49ersaccess at SeatGeek.com to save yourself $20 off your first purchase. Again, at SeatGeek.com. Also, follow us on social media at 49ers.access is the Instagram. 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. And until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the 49er Access Podcast. 
and stay faithful.